Tonight I'd like to begin by sharing with you a poem that I feel describes the context that we're practicing in. The context being this human predicament that all of us face here. It's a a poem by W.S. Merwin called Here Together. And I do change one word in it just because there's all these Buddhist connotations around this word clinging and I feel like he's using it a little bit differently. So if W.S. Merwin, I know you're passed away, but if you can hear me, sorry if you're... (laughs) You don't like this. So it's entitled Here Together. These days I can see us holding each other as we are swept away along by the current. I am holding you to keep you from being swept away, and you are holding me. We see the shores blurring past as we hold each other in the rushing current. The day rushes unheard far above us. How long will we be swept away along in the daylight? How long will we cling together in the night? And where will it carry us together? That feeling, that feeling of being swept away, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, that, that internal feeling where I get swept away. And that external world, well, I feel like it is sweeping me in way in, in some manner. And I'm being swept away in the night and in the day. It's like uh, you might feel this on retreat and then in that unreal world that you're going to have to face in a few days. What can be supportive in this Predicament, this human predicament of being swept away. And I want to begin with a story. Once upon a time, <laughs> the Buddha was at uh, Chalika Mountain. And at that time, uh, Megia who was another monastic, was uh, the Buddha's attendant, which was unusual. Ananda was the Buddha's attendant for most of his life. But this time, uh, Megia was the Buddha's attendant. And one morning he asked leave of the Buddha if he could go on alms round into uh, a nearby village, Chantu village. <clears throat> and uh, uh, the Buddha says, please, uh, Megia, do as you see fit. So Megia goes to Jantu village, he does his alms round. And then on the, the way back, after uh, uh, returning from his alms round, he was on the, the bank of the Kimakali River and passed this beautiful mango, mango grove. And when he saw this mango grove, he, he thought, oh, this, this is such a wonderful place to meditate. I don't know if you've ever seen a mango grove. It can stretch out in a way that offers such wonderful shade. So, the, so Megia comes back to the Buddha. He's super psyched about practice. It's like, 
you wouldn't believe it. You know, here I am on the banks of the uh, Kimikala River, and I saw this this uh, this mango grove. Uh, please, venerable sir, please uh, give me leave so I can do what needs to be done. You have done what needs to be done. Please give me leave so I can do what needs to be done and, and go and meditate. And the Buddha says something very interesting. He says, basically, uh, Megia, um, please don't leave me alone. Please wait until another monk or a monastic can come attend me. But, but please don't leave me alone. And then Megia persists. Please. Pretty please. Oh, come on. You know it's good. Please, Megia, uh, don't leave me alone. Uh, wait until another monastic can, can come. Megia, oh, come on. I need to do what needs to be done. Please. It's good to remember on Buddha's, on the third time they usually relent. <laughs> so be it, Megia. Do as you see fit. So uh, Megia goes to the mango grove, sits down, crosses his legs, has the body erect, and begins to meditate. And then the text says that Megia was assailed by unwholesome thoughts, probably thoughts and emotions, completely flooding him. He actually was overwhelmed. So here he is, feeling overwhelmed. He tries this meditation thing under the mango grove. <laughs> and he comes back to the, the Buddha and says, Venerable Sir, you, you never would have guessed what happened. You know, here I was sitting underneath the mango grove, grove tree and I was completely overwhelmed, assailed by these states of mind. And I, I'm sure the Buddha said something like, really? <laughs> and then he says, you know, uh, 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 Megia, in, in one who the heart's release has not ripened, there are these qualities that need to be brought to maturity to support that process. And the first one the Buddha uh, uh, mentions, which I find so striking, is spiritual friendship, kalyanamita, or as we've been translating this word, as Diana was mentioning, kalyana can mean beautiful. So uh, beautiful friendship, beautiful companions, beautiful colleagues on the path. Uh, this needs to be a foundation. I, I find the story quite interesting to me because of what the Buddha says in his response to uh, Megia when he's asking, don't leave me alone. Wait until another monastic comes here. This is from the Buddha who also, of course, has done solitary practice, but here He's showing how important togetherness is, how it's essential. And it's even essential for me as a Buddha, as the Buddha saying. Beautiful friendship. And that's here, right? Even in this, even if it's in complete silence. 
there can be a feeling of supporting each other, holding each other on this journey that you're engaged in. Just as Merwin was saying, we're here and we're together. And these days I can see us holding each other as we are swept along by the current. I am holding you to keep you from being swept away and you are holding me to keep me from being swept away. Alone, yes. So much time here alone. And together. In friendship. In the silence. And there's an additional way of understanding this word kalyanamitta, not only a beautiful friendship, or, but it can also maybe more poetically be translated as friends with the beautiful, becoming friends with the beautiful, the good. I think this is one way of framing retreat practice. I'm here to make friends with the beautiful. Friends with this path and this practice, with the Dhamma. Learning how to be fully held, to be fully embraced by the Dharma. And hopefully also learning how to skillfully embrace the Dharma. These days I can see us embracing each other as I am swept along by the current. I am holding you to keep myself from being swept away, and you are holding me to keep me from being swept away. Alone, yes, and here together with the Dharma being here in friendship with the Dharma in this silence. So for tonight, I'd like to share with you some reflections on both of these facets of the importance of Kalyanamita, the importance of beautiful friendship, and also the importance of being friends with the beautiful, friends with the Dharma. And for tonight, I I want to be clear, these reflections are much more in the spirit of honoring and celebrating rather than giving you any kind of new information. And in the Zen tradition, the the word that's used for Dharma talk is teisho. And the community I was in, the, the teacher shared that teisho can also mean a celebration, right? That we come together to celebrate, to celebrate and honor, not to gain new information, but just to celebrate. And it's true, we're in a Theravada meditation center not known for its rockin' celebrations. (laughs) So I do want to be like... (laughs) This might be the most drab celebration that you'll ever go to, but 
but I love it. <laughs> I know, that doesn't really say much, does it, about my celebratory experiences. And I, th- I think for me, it, it's, it's a way that this is a way of celebrating and honoring all of you. You've been through something deeply significant. And you've been through it alone and together in the silence. And I find it important to pause so we can take that in, so you can take that in, how significant this is. And in particular, it's, it's an invitation for us to celebrate in our hearts, to honor in our hearts your connection with one another. And also celebrating your and honoring your connection with the Dharma, whatever shape that takes. This is what we've been doing here. We've been engaging in this retreat here, together. And even uh, for me, at least, even retreats I've done mostly in my room, which some of you might be have done, I, I feel like I am carried along by the others in the retreat. And just this notion has been an important, it's really been important for me to acknowledge and sense into this. Because what uh, the journey has been like for me is that in the past, I've had such a strong habit of perceiving myself as, as separate from whatever group I'm in the midst of. And usually that kind of knee-jerk reaction of holding myself at bay in that way, really is primarily out of fear. Which then can take the, the form of aversion or nervousness. And, and that past habit hasn't been so good for my heart. What has been liberating is feeling into, sensing into, oh, I'm here together on this journey with all of you. All that liking and disliking, it's just mind-created. That's all it is. I I find it so important to bring this in to our hearts because I've I've found it nourishing, and it's important to feel the nourishment of that, even if it's a kind of togetherness that we're experiencing in silence. Quite a while ago, I lived uh, briefly in a community in London. And it was a community of kind of volunteers living together with people who were living on the streets. And like all of the other organizations scattered around London, it was, uh, it was unique in the sense that it was uh, a community where the emphasis was not only recognizing the human need for food and shelter and clothing, but also the need for community, connection. So yeah, nourishing each other with food, shelter, and nourishing through community and friendship. And there was a, a night shelter, and it actually had maybe on a aside, it was unique because it was the only place in London, London's a huge city, at least at that time, of where you could get a bed um, if you were drunk or high. As long as you weren't violent, you'd actually come through the door. 
wasn't like the smoothest thing that always happened, but <laughs> it was a cool idea. <laughs> and there was something sweet about it because it was the wanting to, to acknowledge that, that, of, of this need of community, even in those states. But there were also other houses in the community, a few scattered around London and then uh, a few just outside the city, where a number of folks who had been living on the streets decided to make a longer commitment to the community and just live in the community. And what was also unique is this community, we didn't do any kind of um, help with getting back into society. It was more like, if you want to drop out and be in the, this community, that's great. And there were a number of people that lived the rest of their lives just in the community. It was so transformative for me to take that into my heart, the importance of that. To, to allow myself to be nourished alongside them. So I, I want to point out in this, in this that you have actually nourished each other in unseen ways on this retreat through your connection with one another. And yeah, this is a very weird way to connect. I don't want to pass over that. It's in silence. And yet, for me, there's something that mixes together that makes it powerful for my heart. And, and sometimes I haven't realized this until after retreat for a while. Wow, my, my fellow yogis, their silence and their efforts really supported me. That's the feeling that kind of comes. And my mind sometimes doesn't really take this fully in because of my limited entangled mind, where it gets hooked by, oh, I feel like I'm just alone on retreat, and then there's these other people just milling around. But there's a way of perceiving, a way of, of, whole, of, of allowing this retreat into my heart that feels so different than that. It's so powerful. Because that, that sense of I'm alone with other people milling around me is such a limited percept, perception. Whereas when I perceive that I'm here together with all of you, even if I'm in my room alone, Wow, it's a, it's a different sense of retreat. Because this retreat was co-created by all of you. Even if you're in your room or outside all the time, you're still intertwined with this co-creation of this retreat with your efforts in silence. This is important to take that in. It's true, us teachers were here a little time and we talked a lot. <laughs> but also all of you were, were creating this, this retreat together. And no matter how imperfect you feel like your silence and efforts were, they've supported others. This is an incredibly rare thing in the world, and, and that's why I want to just pause. That's why I wanted to give you these reflections to celebrate and honor this incredibly rare thing. And how there's a kind of friendship here in the silence. At least that's what my heart feels.
And as I mentioned, it is a whole different felt sense to it than the other ways we support others. And I'm not saying one way is better or worse, but rather a different taste. And I think it's an important flavor of creating Sangha that I, I, I feel impacts the heart in, in significant ways. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. You've maybe done the three-month retreat or done six weeks, and then you happen upon somebody else who's done that, who's done the three months or six weeks. It's such a sweet connection. It's like, oh, wow, here's somebody that I haven't met before, but they get it. Right? Oh, there's something that we've shared together and to feel that connection. To me, it gives this different flavor to the statement by the Buddha of talking about a true Sangha being one thing when arising in the world arises for the welfare of the many, for the happiness of the many, for the welfare and happiness of many beings, both human and divine. You created something together, and it's so important to honor each other in terms of this. So in light of this, I'm, I'm going to ask you to, uh, I'd like to invite you to engage in a very simple gesture of honoring and appreciating. And that's just to take a minute. Don't worry, this is going to be too much. <laughs> to take some time to look around, to maybe even stand up so you can see each other a little bit. And it might be a bow or to hold your hand to your heart just to take each other in. It's true, this is so much easier to do on Zoom because you just have to look at the little squares. (laughs) Those were the days, I really miss them. (laughs) To take some time to, to really allow your eyes to move around, to see each other, to do this thing that we've never done in this hall openly. Okay, all of you have done it now and then. <laughs> so just take a, a, a moment to, 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 to behold each other, to see each other, to, to hold each other in your hearts, just in silence. Yeah, to acknowledge each other. It, it feels different, doesn't it? Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for that. And as you sit down, I just invite you to just just gently check in with the heart center of like how that touched you. Of course, there might be the social nervousness stuff that can happen, always happens in my, my heart. But there might be also other flavors intertwined in your heart of just ah, to acknowledge each other. It's so sweet. And the other reason I wanted to take just a minute with that is just, I think it can be really helpful to carry this connection forward in the next few days. Kind of an invitation to hold this quality of appreciation in your heart if it resonates for you in the last few days. So it's not doing anything different. 
rather than allowing the heart to feel the textures of kindness and appreciation for each other in this field of the Dharma. In in this way, I also feel like it's a way of keeping each other steady during the transition. So helpful to be supported with steadiness with each other. This reminds me of, um, I remember my partner sharing this this wonderful thing she, she heard in a yoga class she went to. So she goes to this yoga class, and during the class, the yoga teacher tells all of them to, you know, put your body in this awkward, uncomfortable posture, and then stand on one leg. (laughs) That's what yoga always feels like to me. (laughs) I don't know if it was exactly what she said, but it's like, okay, I'm going to get in this uncomfortable, awkward position, and then I'm going to stand on one leg. And then there was the invitation to stay standing on one leg. She's standing and standing and begins to wobble a bit. And then, then she pointed out to me the teacher said something really helpful for her. The teacher just said, just feel everybody helping you hold your balance. To feel, to feel supported by the group with their efforts. What would it be like to play with that sense when you feel like you're starting to wobble these last few days to feel the support and efforts of this group? We can all help each other staying balanced in these next few days just through our efforts, through our practice to feel the support, to give the support. And not through what I do, but how I am. I thought this is the, to me, this is the middle path between the Vipassana vendetta and the Vipassana romance. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, here it is, like friendship, keeping each other steady. I remember in a closing circle at the end of a retreat, somebody, somebody looked at everyone and said, uh, um, uh, I take back all the stories I thought about you. <laughs> I love that, actually. It's, it's your chance to take back all those stories. <laughs> to find the middle way. Right, the process of feeling supports and giving support. And also this, this uh, exploration you can do in these last few days of offering support and receiving support, it, it can help sh- shape how I am in friendships to give this sense of the value of friendship, how I am with others in other domains of my life outside of retreat, namely this process of being a good friend to others. Again, these days I can see us holding each other as we are swept along by the current. I'm holding you to keep you from being swept away. And you are holding me to keep me from being swept away. How to do this skillfully, both for myself and for others.
Buddha had a list of seven qualities of a good friend, and I, I, I love this list. list. There's uh, something clarifying about it. He says, practitioners, a friend endowed with seven qualities is worth associating with. Which seven? They give what is hard to give. They do what is hard to do. They endure what is hard to endure. And they reveal their secrets to you. And they keep your secrets. When misfortunes strike, they don't abandon you. When you're down and out, they don't look down on you. A friend endowed with these seven qualities is worth associating with. How can you keep this in your heart to be a good friend to yourself? And where is there an appropriate relationship in which you can refine this skill of being a good friend with these seven qualities to another? And in that realm, what I want to point out is it's sometimes it's in the small yet significant ways that I can discover how to be a true friend. In a poem that expresses this poem by Stephen Dunn, entitled Sweetness. Just when it has seemed I couldn't bear one more friend waking with a tumor, one more maniac with a perfect reason, often a sweetness has come and changed nothing in the world except the way I stumbled through it. For a while lost in the ignorance of loving someone or something, the whole world shrunk to mouth size, hand size, and never seeming small. I acknowledge there is no sweetness that doesn't leave a stain, no sweetness that's ever sufficiently sweet. Tonight, a friend called to his lover, a friend, tonight, a friend called to say his lover was killed in a car he was driving. His voice was low and guttural. He repeated what he needed to repeat, and I repeated the one or two words we have for such grief until we were speaking only in tones. Often a sweetness comes as if on loan, stays just long enough to make sense of what it means to be alive, then returns to its dark source. As for me, I don't care where it's been or what bitter road it's traveled to come so far to tastes so good. Often a sweetness has come and changed nothing in the world except the way I stumbled through it. Changing the way I stumble through it by being able 
in small a small way to be a friend for others in such situations through that sweetness that kindness that love that comes as if on loan so yeah beautiful friends on this retreat we're here together and being a beautiful friend after retreat through that sweetness. As I said, it's, it's not only beautiful friends. As I mentioned, another way to translate Kalyanamita is friends with the beautiful, friends with the beauty of the Dharma. Learning how to be fully held, to be fully embraced by the Dharma and learning how to skillfully embrace the Dharma. These days I can see us embracing each other as I'm swept along by the current. I am holding you to keep myself from being swept away, and you are holding me to keep me from being swept away. The way I'm going to open for us to explore this is to share with you another chant, to play another chant for you. To get more of the felt sense of being friends with the beautiful. And that's what I'm going to be inviting you to do, to feel this with this chant that I'd like to, to play. And of course, for some of you, this chanting stuff might not resonate, and I do want to honor that. There's different ways for different people, and it's important to honor that multiplicity. And it will be the same person chanting uh, that chanted the first chant, uh, the Venerable Omolpe Zobita Tero from Sri Lanka. And he's going to be chanting the Mahamangala Sutta, which is a very common chant to chant. It's, at one place it's found is in the Sutta Napata, the Sutta. And in it, a deva visits the Buddha and asks, what are the blessings of a life rooted in the Dharma? And the Buddha then gives a list of all kinds of blessings that come from a life rooted in the Dharma, we could say. Truly, though, there are so many blessings of a life rooted in the Dharma. And whether you've been aware of it or not, during these six weeks or three months, you've been planting those seeds of those blessings. As I keep on saying, drop by drop is the water jug filled. So it's to to honor and celebrate the protection and support of these seeds, to, to honor and celebrate the protection of support of the Dharma. And at the end of the sutta, it ends by sharing with, with such blessings, one is able to go everywhere in safety. Everywhere with a sense of security. And he's not saying the world is safe or secure, but rather, oh, the heart is safer through learning how to skillfully navigate this world. Oh, this is where security comes from through the heart's release that we're exploring here. The Mahamangala Sutta is what is called a a, a paritta. 
So it's a sutta that's chanted for to offer protection. How does it offer protection? I think there's many ways to get a feeling sense of this. This is one way that works for me is, you know, for me, this chant evokes my heartfelt connection with this dharma. It gives me a sense of the immeasurability of it. And my heartfelt connection with this path and practice. And when I feel that, it does feel protective. It feels supportive for me. And so that's the vision is, is hopefully that will percolate into your heart to help with the transition. And remember, as you listen to this chant and are allowing it into your body and heart, we're here listening to a chant that's been listened to and chanted by practitioners for over 2,000 years. For 2,000 years, for over 2,000 years, this chant has reminded practitioners like you and me of this path and practice and the blessings of it. And it's a reminder, not through my head, through the intellect, but it's a chant that can touch my heart to remind me. So I'll set this up now if you want to move your body a little bit and then we'll, we'll, we'll be ending just by allowing in the Ma Mangala Sutta here. Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sam Buddhas Namotas Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sam Buddhas Evang me sutang ekang samayang bhagava savadhyang viharati jetavane anatha pindikas arami Atako anyatara devata abhikanta yaratia abhikanta vanna kevala kappang jetavanang obhasitva yena bhagavate nupasankami upasankamitva bhagavantang abhivaditva Ek mantang 
अट्ठासी एक मंतंगिता घोषा देवता भगवंताय अजभासी बहु देवा मनुषाच मंगलानी अचिंतयुं आकंख माना सुधानं ब्रूहि मंगल मुत्तमं असेवनाच बालानं पंडितानंच सेवना पूजाच पूजनीयानं एतं मंगल मुत्तमं पातिरूप देश वासोच पुब्बेच खत पुन्यता अत सम्मापनिधिच एतं मंगल मुत्तमं बाहु सचंच सिपंच विनयोच सुसिखितो सुभाषिताच यावाचा एतं मंगल मुत्तमं माता पितु उपाधानं पुत्तारस संगहो अनाकुलाच कमंता एतं मंगल मुत्तमं दानंच धम्मचारियाच न्यात कानंच संगहो अनवाजानि कमानि एतं मंगल मुत्तमं आरति विराति पापा मज्जपानाच संयमो अपमादोच धम्मेशु एतं मंगल मुत्तमं गार्वोच निवातोच संतुठीच कतन्युता कालेन धम्म सवनं एतं मंगल मुत्तमं खंतीच सोवचस्ता 
ตัสสนังกาลีนะธัมมะสากัจจาเอตังมังเกลมุตตมังตะโพชะบรัหมะจารยัญชะอริยสัจฌานะดัสสนัง Nibbāna satchikiriyāca etaṁ mangala muttamāṁ Puttasa loka dhammi cittāṁ yasa nakampati asokāṁ virājāṁ khemāṁ etaṁ Mangal Muttamang Etadisani Kattvan Sabbath Maparajita Sabbath Sothin Gachantitang Tesang Mangal Muttamangti Etena satchavajjena hotute jayamangalam Etena satchavajjena hotute jayamangalam Etena satchavajjena hotute jayamangalam 